The Ira Kaufman Podcast is presented by Bill Curry Ford, a Tampa tradition for 62 plus years. Right there on Dale Mabry Highway, a mile north of the stadium, Bill Curry Ford, nationwide lifetime warranty on new vehicles. Sean Sullivan, the GM, is going to give you $500 just to order a new vehicle, no deposit, great inventory, great certified pre-owned inventory. Get to BillCurryFord.com. Start shopping today. Don't mess around. BillCurryFord.com and get that Ira Kaufman discount. you got to get yourself to BillCurryFord.com. Their offers are spectacular. You will be impressed. Big Storm Beer is the official beer of the Ira Kaufman podcast, and Big Storm Beer is also Florida's best craft beer. It's in the stores, and it's also in their tap rooms where you can get a fantastic meal and often live music. Great time. Big Storm Brewery tap rooms in Odessa off State Road 54, Clearwater on 49th Street, Amway Center in Orlando, Cape Coral, and all new in Ebor City, Centro Ebor, second floor, beautiful new tap room. Follow them on social media, Big Storm Ebor, and that is the home of our draft party, 2023, April 27th, first night of the draft. Great time, prizes, giveaways, including a giveaway of $500 to our Pick the Pick contest winner, courtesy of Florida's Elite Restoration, floridaselitrestoration.com. That's where you go to find out who to call when you have a disaster in your home, your business, flood, fire, mold, whatever it is, Florida's Elite Restoration, and have yourself a Big Storm beer tonight. Big Storm Brewery is the place where it's at. Great food, great service, great atmosphere. Big Storm Brewery. Episode two of this week, special edition, because we're out at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. We've got all kinds of cool stuff, but also we've got uh, more that we're collecting that'll be on future podcasts. If you missed yesterday's, it's Todd Bowles on the podcast with me, Steve Isbitz of JoeBucksFan.com, Lee D. Kemper of Joe Bucks Fan, and the sage of Tampa Bay sports himself, Ira Kaufman. It's about a 20-minute interview. It's good. It's fun. It includes Todd Bowles' impression of Ira. Ira, he grades that in this episode today, so that's always fun. We've got more to come. Today, we've got John Lynch. The podcast is at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Podbean, at JoeBucksFan.com, so it's easy to find. Thanks to Bill Curry Ford, Big Storm Beer. And as I mentioned, Florida's Elite Restoration, they've got 500 bucks if you call them up and mention Ira Kaufman or Joe Bucks fan. And they're going to give you a free assessment of what's happening in your property after you got mold or storm damage, flood, fire, whatever it is. Then if you move forward with their services, they will give you 500 bucks to use toward your deductible or that's just cash back if they're coming out to get your house right and you're paying in cash, Florida's EliteRestoration.com. Get there today. Find out what they're all about so you're prepared when that disaster strikes, when lightning hits your house, or you come home and you got a leak under the sink that's been there for a week and you didn't know it. You know who to call. Florida's Elite Restoration. All right, Sage, we got you on the line. You're here at the Combine in spirit, in voice. And, of course, Lee and I are sitting here in the heart of Radio Row. And Ira, one hell of an interview yesterday with Todd Bowles. Uh, you know what? I want to know what stood out to you, what uh, made an impact. And uh, that's before I hit you with a couple of questions. But I got to know your grade for Todd Bowles' impersonation of you. Well, it was spectacular. I mean, I played it for my wife uh, today. She was in hysterics for 90 seconds. Thought the guy aced it. Not bad, Todd. If you're listening to this podcast, and I know you do, you did a heck of a job. When I go back to Brooklyn next year, you're, you're coming with me. 
will be quite a tandem walking down the streets of Brooklyn. You do have an Ira impression. I won't put you on the spot with that, but at some point we got to get it in 2023. Right? Oh, I'm ready for that one. All I'm right. ready for that one now. Let it rip if you want to. <laughs> well, thank you, Steve. We're going to go to Big Storm Beer. You know, uh, you know, and and the biggest thing is is who was that? Our Ford dealership. I remember I got my first car driving down Del Mabry. Had to be about 1968. Top <laughs> back, sunny day. You know, I was, I was asking my wife. You know, you know, things have changed since we we've been ahead. But anyway, anyway, more about Tom Brady. You know, this Brady guy. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, what did you uh, grade uh, Bowles' impression of Ira? I can't give him an A plus like Ira did. It was a B. However, what put him over the edge, what gave made it an A, what is was his unsolicited reference to Big Storm Brewing. <laughs> uh, Ira, I got to give him a B plus, and the reason is that well, first, if you really listen to Bowles, you know he's a very polished speaker, not a lot of ums and uhs. But when he started talking in your voice, it was ah, yep, yep, yeah, he was. He was chirping around, which was very good, but he didn't spit the names out. Like, he, I thought he was going to say, Steve, Lee, Steve, Steve, Lee, Jason, but he, he didn't go there. So uh, he didn't do the name. So I got to give him uh, an 89 out of 100. The enthusiasm was outstanding, Steve, the enthusiasm. He, he had a lot of passion, especially when he mentioned, all right, Tom Brady, let's get back to Brady over here. <laughs> you know, things have changed since we, we've been ahead. But anyway, anyway, more about Tom Brady, you know, this Brady guy. <laughs> Yeah, it was fat. That really jacked it up. So uh, it was impromptu. You know, uh, I just you know wanted to throw the line about singing because, you know, Tony Dungy asked him to sing. And then I he uh, volunteered, as everybody heard. So, Sage, the Bulls football interview itself. What stood out? See, the message to me was loud and clear. And I'm going to speak for myself. I think the Bucks are doing absolutely the right thing. And I'm going to quote a guy who was a pretty good writer. I never read one of his columns, but his name is William Shakespeare, Mr. DeKemper, and he never wrote a column on the Bucks. but um, he did write a sentence that I think applies to the 2023 Buccaneers, which is, to thine own self be true. I've been talking about this on this podcast for about a month. You got to self-analyze and you got to be brutally honest. And I did mention to Coach Bowles that these meetings have involved the Glazers and he didn't correct me. He didn't say, no, Ira, no, Ira, the Glazers have not been involved. He didn't say that. So these organizational meetings that I think the Glazers are leading in terms of the direction, Lee, what I got out of uh, yesterday's chatter, and there was a lot of it, is that uh, the Bucks are going to take their lumps uh, if they have to. From a financial standpoint, they will. From a scoreboard standpoint, if they have to. I'm not relegating them to a 5-12. and 12. That's not a given. We don't know that, Lee. And Kyle Trask will get every chance, not a guarantee, but every chance to be under center week one when the bullets fly. I don't have a problem with it. They're bringing in competition. Lee, they're not bringing in Derek Carr. They're not. They're not bringing in Aaron Rodgers. They're not. And I'm fine with that. In fact, I endorse it. And if it's Drew Locke uh, or Baker Mayfield, Lee, so be it. And Trask would have to beat him out. I think Trask goes in as the favorite because uh, I think it's in Jason Light's interest for that to happen. I want to talk about Light a little later in the podcast. But I like the message that was sent from Light and Bowles. It is what it is. This is where we are. We think we can compete for the division. Lee, nobody talked about winning a championship. 
Nobody talked about it. They didn't. But can they win a division with Kyle Trask? Why not? We don't know who the quarterbacks are for these other teams. But, Lee, they're doing the right thing. And they're not going to spend $35 million on the quarterback position in addition to paying Brady's $35 million. Lee, that's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. And I applaud the direction this team's taking. Ira, I want to ask you a question about, you mentioned Baker Mayfield and just the quarterbacks in general. It's a topic that we brought up here at the Combine the other day. Do you think the Bucks are kind of going to fudge it to help Trask win the job based on who they bring in? Because Todd Bowles said he wants two veterans quarterbacks in the mix. In addition to Trask, in addition to maybe they pick up a seventh-round pick, who knows. But are the Bucks going to sort of play off Trask and try to help him win the job? And when I say that, I mean... A guy like Baker Mayfield, he's a huge leadership type of personality. That's what they talked about when he got to the Rams, and he's a big personality. Taylor Heineke, a guy who might break free from Washington, he's won a lot of games. He's a big personality. There are other quarterbacks like that who are, you know, they're going to come in and fight to the death for the job and fight in every practice. Do you think the Bucks want a guy like that, or they're looking for somebody like maybe a Drew Locke or a Teddy Bridgewater who might if his salary comes down, would understand that, hey, you know what, I'm here to be the backup, but also compete? I don't know. Do you think they'll sort of set it up for Trask to win it? It's a fine line. I think they want Trask to win it. I certainly think Jason Light wants Trask to win it. And if I was Jason Light, I would want Trask to win it. I'll tell you why. I don't know if Lee agrees with me on this. Lee, if Trask gets the job out of training camp, and he's not particularly good, and he's not. And he's maybe even replaced in week nine. Lee, I, I don't I don't think anybody's going to get on Jason Light's case for drafting Kyle Trask. I mean, a second-round quarterback, they, they miss all the time. They miss more than they make it, Lee. Let's look at the upside. Suppose they win this division. I, I don't care if it's with nine wins. Lee, if they win the division for the third straight year, and now they're doing it with Kyle Trask, Jason Light looks very good. We don't know what Trask would be the guy going forward. We don't know that. But if they have a pretty good season with Kyle Trask, Jason Light looks very good. I I, I think they want Trask to win this job, Lee. They're not going to bring in anybody like Derek Carr who, who's going to beat him out. And I don't even know if they go for Baker Mayfield. I think the key is the guy's not going to make much money, whoever it is. I'm throwing Garoppolo out of the mix right now. No. Uh, the guy's not going to make much money. But he will compete. Drew Locke makes some sense to me, especially with the connection to Canales, uh, depending on how Canales looks at Drew Locke. But I think they want Trask to win the job, Lee. All right, what kind of drugs is the doctor giving you? You don't want a winner like Garoppolo. You want a, a scatterbrain like Drew Locke. The only thing he's got his hat to hang on is he makes stupid decisions in life and on the football field. What's wrong with you, Ira? And by the way, before you get going, I have never read William Shakespeare. Yeah, I know who he is. And I've never read Ernest Hemingway. But I have read John Feinstein and I have read Tom Clancy. That's the first time that John Feinstein and Shakespeare has been in the same sentence. Like, first time. Should happen more often. <laughs> now what's wrong so, with you here? No Garoppolo and Drew Locke? Please, Ira. Drew Locke's in no position to demand a big contract. Like, I agree. No Nor is he in no. a position to get a job. Your buddy Armando. Used to be with the Miami Herald. Now he's right. with OutKick. He wrote this morning that Light 
and possibly Bulls too, are playing a very dangerous game with um, Kyle Trask. If they, you know, you're sitting here, you want Kyle Trask to win, okay. If Kyle Trask wins the job and he falls flat on his face, Armando thinks it's very likely the Glazers start tossing bodies off the pirate ship. And those bodies could include bulls or maybe even light. I don't think light's going to take a tumble over Kyle Trask not working out, Lee. I, I, I wouldn't view it that way. If some of these guys don't develop, Lee, some of last year's draft picks don't develop, and if Joe Tryon doesn't take a step forward, that, that I think, is fa- more fair to judge light in a horse light than missing out on Kyle Trask. I re- I'm not going to knock him if he misses on Kyle Trask. Ira, yesterday in the interview with Todd Bowles, a very interesting line. When you asked Todd out of the gate, I thought it was an interesting question. You asked him out of the gate, was it a successful season? And I could hear Bucks fans across uh, Tampa Bay saying, what the hell kind of question is that? Of course it was an unsuccessful season, but it was an important one to ask Bowles. And reality is he gave a good answer. And one thing he said as a barometer for a successful season he basically said, anytime you don't play well in December, you've had a bad right. season. Yeah. And that, I think, goes to 2023 when you look at how he may be evaluated because, okay, you know, it doesn't look good with Kyle Trask, but if they play it all the way through and Trask uh, is better after Thanksgiving and looks like he's adjusting and, okay, he looks better and they go 5-12, and 12, uh, 6 and 11, but he's doing better. I think it goes to the classic Glazer arrow-pointing-up situation. And I was curious your thoughts on Bowles talking about December football as a barometer. Tremendous point, Steve. And like you, and maybe Lee, Bowles surprised me. Now, look, he didn't surprise me with the first thing he said, which is if you don't win the Super Bowl, it's not a successful season. Everybody says that. Everybody understands it. Lee, that's a giant cliche. We've all heard it. It really doesn't mean anything. But then he brought up late in that season, how are you playing? And let's face it, the Bucks played a pretty good game against Carolina. Then they sucked against Atlanta in the second half. And, of course, we saw what happened against Dallas. Lee, you're always mentioning Arrow going which way, which way. We saw what happened with Raheem Morris. Lee, you couldn't justify a 10-game losing streak. You couldn't do it. Forget about the 4-2 and two start. It was the 10-game losing streak that did in Raheem Morris, who had previously won 10 games uh, in, in a spectacular season that Joel Glazer said was one of the most enjoyable ownership has ever enjoyed, uh, uh, had, you know, since taking over in 1995, that 2010 season. You know, Dirk Cutter, the Bucks uh, in 2018, didn't play particularly well in December, didn't show anything. Bye-bye. The guy who was saved was uh, Bruce Arians. Uh, he lost his last two games terrible fashion both at home both against bad teams Jameis blew up but then came Brady uh, and, and you know Arians was a part of that and we know the rest of the story Steve makes a very good point Lee even if they have a bad year on the scoreboard if the team's hanging together well in December I think that could go a long way to saving Todd Bowles going forward I think it could you're saying Todd Bowles can survive another losing season? With a strong December, depending on who the quarterback is, he's got to be a young quarterback that they can work with and develop. 
I, I, I think it's possible he could survive. Wow. Unlikely, but possible. Well, Sage, I think he could survive, too, only because he is being set up to fail. Again, it's how you grade it, right? If the team improves through the season, that's one thing. But uh, if Kyle Trask or another young quarterback, let's just say Drew Locke beats him out or Kyle Trask uh, blows, gets a high <laughs> ankle sprain in week three and Drew Locke comes in and plays well all the way through, I mean, they're never. The interesting thing here, I think, is they're never going to make Canales the head coach. It's just not going to happen no. for, for quite a while. Uh, he's not a head coach candidate, so there is no person in in line to push it through. But if the offense is better and the whoever the quarterback is is developing and they have confidence in Canales, yeah, I think uh, Bulls could stick around through a, a six and eleven or a seven and ten. But like you said in the last podcast, Ira, seven and ten—that's a lot worse. In theory, then, uh, then one in sixteen. I don't agree with that, but you know, the, the end result is uh, if, if you play well and you're doing better, you're not going to go get a quarterback if you're seven and ten. They're already hitting the ceiling with balls. How outraged would they be if the Bucks have another losing record and and the Glazers keep balls? I like Todd, so you know, I'm not inferring he should be fired or shouldn't be fired. I'm just discussing what's out there. How are you going to sell any tickets? I mean, the fans are going to be up in arms, man. A part of it would be, do they mail it in in December? That would uh, that would seal Bowles' fate, uh, like Steve is suggesting. they got to show that they believe in their head coach. If they pack it in, Bowles has no chance of coming back. I agree with you. That's why I brought up the December thing, Ira. It'll be about how they finish. And I think in general, the Glazers aren't really going to care what the fans think. They're going to follow their plan. And that was the thing repeated over and over here yesterday was Jason Light, Todd Bowles, we have a plan. We have a plan. Bowles himself said uh, the consensus is pretty good. I asked him, you know, uh, he didn't get into a lot of specifics. And, you know, they've had their arguments and discussions, but uh, it seemed like a united front. And maybe the plan is uh, been spelled out for Bowles. Like, hey, you know, whatever we do, we expect you to improve as the season goes and look good in December and win at least six games. Maybe they've even laid it out for him. I want to switch a, a little bit, Steve, just for a minute to Jason Light. We haven't talked a lot about Light. Uh, is he on the spot? What's the story with Light? I want to make a couple of points. To me, this is a second chance, Lee. This is a second chance for Light. It, it doesn't count when Brady showed up. That, that's not a chance. Oh, oh Ira, come on now. Now, come on. Now, when Brady showed up, the Bucks were going to be, be a very good team. Who recruited him? And compete for a championship. Who, that, that's just the way it is. Who, recru- uh, who recruited Brady? Well, I'm sorry. I said once he showed up. Once he showed up. Well, well, I, well I, don't, I, I don't get this. It's like you're drafting a, uh, Josh Allen, and you say, oh, the, what's his face up in Buffalo needs to be fired. I don't care that he picked him. You can't separate the two. I will now finish my, my, I will now finish my, uh, my claim. Here's why this is a second chance for, for uh, Jason Light. Now, look, guys, I'm, like, I'm not dealing with opinion right now. This ain't CNN uh, and Fox News. These are the <laughs> facts. Jason Light had six years. Before Brady showed up to one buck place. Jason Light went 34 and 62. That's a fact. 34 and 62 with one winning season, six years, that covered three head coaches, including Arian's first season. That's less than six wins a year, gentlemen. That's those are the facts. He had a shot with Winston. It, it didn't work out. Now, has he done a lot of positive things? Yes, to your point, Lee. He's he called a Super Bowl. Players, he built the nucleus of players 
that attracted Tom Brady. You can't downplay that. You can't. No question about it. Arians being the coach was a factor in, in attracting Brady. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, but this is a second chance for life. Second chance. Can he do it? Can he do it again with a young quarterback that he picked? Uh, if it's Trask, or if he might have to pick a guy Lee in the twenty, you know, twenty-four draft, that would be on Light too. I just think this is a it's a big moment for Jason Light as it's going to play out. We'll see how long he has. I don't think he's on the spot. Lee, I, I don't think he's on the hot seat. I don't with the Glazers. I think he's done enough to earn their trust. But um, he had six years to build this team, Steve, and it didn't happen. It didn't well, happen. wait, wait, Brady, yeah, guy, right. I, I, let's not. You're talking about facts. You're talking fiction, man. Come on, now they played the Super Bowl. White said something yesterday that in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, in maybe one of the most underrated defensive performances we've ever seen. Keeping Mahomes out of the end zone. At one point in that game, nine out of the Bucks' eleven defenders were on rookie contracts. And you're telling me lights on the hot seat? Seriously? I said, he wa- I said he wasn't on the hot seat. Well, if you're saying he doesn't get it done next year, next year he's gone. That to me is a no, hot seat. I, I didn't say that. You're not saying it, but my perception of a guy that's win this year or you're gone—that's hot seat, man. When, that's when hot did I seat. Say that, Steve? I didn't hear you say that, Ira. I just, so okay, Ira, I want to make sure I'm right. No matter what the Bucks do in 2023, Light is returning in 2024. Is that correct? I, I don't think I don't think Light's on the hot seat. Okay, thank hey, you. I hey, just wanted to get that corrected. Hey, Ira, I'm going to change the wording to second act. I'm not going to call it second chance. I'm going to call it second act. <laughs> second uh, act, because because right. it is a new era, and you know I'm going to go with Lee on the defense front. I mean, bottom line is he built a uh, a Super Bowl caliber defense through the draft primarily, and. You know, I, I'm not going to take that away from him. You know, I just don't think it's fair. But I know what you're saying. Look, we talked about this before Tom Brady arrived and when he first got here is uh, and when they won the Super Bowl, which is, hey, you know, you got to win after Brady. That's going to define the career of uh, Jason Light in Tampa. And it'll take away any of the the wondering about his uh, the lingering wonder about his ability, which, you know, apparently you have a little bit. But a lot of fans do as well, uh, but not all. But the lingering wonder of whether uh, he can build a another winner here, you know, from scratch without the quarterback. It's his second chance to do that. A tough talk, tough talk from the sage. <laughs> well, I'm punches. just saying, you know, six years is a long time, like, and, and, and yeah. it was an unsuccessful six-year stint. Absolutely, Brady showed up. You can blame the coaches if you want, Lee. You could. Well, the but, Smiths uh, did. James <laughs> Winston was a part of it. Now, would everybody have taken Jameis Winston? Yeah. Mariota wasn't any better. In fact, he was worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Sage. Sage, we're going to kill the history <laughs> lesson here. Let's go back to Bulls yesterday. And what else stood out to you? And this has been some conjecture. It was brought up, I think, when he did the serious uh, interview. I was watching it, and, and he brought up uh, Mike Evans' uh, a trade scenario, according to Prisco. People are talking about it. Mm-hmm. He even mentioned Godwin after uh, after, after Bulls shot down the scenario you know, with Mike Evans, and he shut it down firmly. Then Prickly Pete went to Godwin, ah. uh, and, and basically Bull said, same thing, same thing. Uh, and I'm going to extend this now to our interview. Lee, unless I'm misreading it, you can throw out the Devin White trade rumors also. Yeah. That's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, throw it, in, throw it in the garbage and burn it. Yeah, throw it in. Be- 
because, Lee, as I said last week, as far as Devin White's concerned, it's going to be a Todd Bowles decision. It should be, and it will be. And Todd Bowles didn't pull any punches. He thinks Devin White's a heck of a football player. Not the player that he could be, uh, 100%. There's room for growth, Lee. But uh, he left no doubt where he stands with Devin White. He's firmly in the White camp, Lee. And what really jumped out at me was when, uh, Steve, I think, were you the one to ask him about White? And then when Bowles' response was, he said he saw Devin White make tackles that he hasn't seen from a linebacker in 30 years. That was yeah. that was eye-opening. Steve, he also said that the, the criticisms of White taking some poor angles and missing some tackles, he thinks that's... Uh, he thinks that's, that's overhyped yeah, he, um, he, and, and, and undeserved. Yeah, he's said it before, and uh, but the message was really clear. Devin White is uh, is the franchise defensive player. And so, yeah, you know, cross off any question mark. The speculation is over yeah. on that. Uh, it's not happening. Ira, do you believe Levante David will be back on this team next year? It's clear from Jason Light. And you should have seen his face when I asked him to sort of give tell fans the state of the Levante David address which I wrote about, he was very clear that David's an iconic linebacker. They want him back and, you know, takes two. And will he essentially, will he accept the offer is what Jason Light said. They genuinely seem hopeful, but, you know, I don't think they're necessarily expecting it. What's your thought? I think it's a 40-60 that he returns. I, I think it's a, I think it's more likely he doesn't return on Levante David. And, and I hear some people trying to, Weigh in that on the free agent market, Lee, uh, Levante David will not necessarily uh, be a hot commodity. I, I don't agree with that necessarily. I see a guy who's got another two or three years left uh, in him, you know, a uh, high quality at a high level uh, that could really help a team lead that feels they're on the brink, maybe a Jacksonville, so, something like that. A, a pretty good team that, that he can really help, you know, Bobby Wagner. When he went to the Rams, he was coveted by the Rams, maybe by some other teams. I think David is going to look around. You know, yeah, is he loyal to the Bucks to a, to a point, Lee? You always mention money talks, and all it takes is one team. Uh, I, I think Levante David will, will be uh, pr- pretty well coveted in, in the free agent market. I tend to agree with you, Ivor. I, I think a team that's on the cusp of a Super Bowl would love to have Levante David on the roster. I'm thinking someone like his hometown team, Miami. If Tua can stay healthy, they can make a run in the Super Bowl. And, and by the way, Ivor, with Levante David, how rare is it for a player to play for so many different coaches and every one of those coaches just rave about him? From, from Bowles to back to Shiano, all of them just thought the absolute world of him, being a rock-solid anchor of a team. You know, Lee, I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm going to compare it to something that goes on uh, in my chosen field. And, Lee, some sports writers recently in the last couple of years, really good ones, top-notch. John McClain comes to mind, a, mm. a few others. Now, Kent Summers in Arizona, who covered uh, Arians in mm-hmm. Arizona, I think he had 38 years uh, in the Arizona newspaper business. He just retired, and I sent him a message, guys, and you know what I said? Uh, the words I used is... Uh, you're a pro's pro. You're a pro's pro. Somebody once said that to me about 10 years ago. Uh, I think it might have been Warren Sapp when he was talking to me. I thought it was the guy who reloads the uh, 
You know, the buffet at Golden Corral. <laughs> yeah, you call me a pro's pro. Uh, it's a tremendous compliment. And, and I think it goes directly to Levani David. You're right. Like, Perfect. It doesn't matter, you know, Shiano. doesn't matter, you know, who, who the head coach was. Lovey Smith, Cutter, you know, Arians, uh, and now Bowles. Uh, they all got nothing uh, but the highest respect for David. Would I like him back? Lee in a perfect world, uh, of course. Mm-hmm. But one more thing on Devin White. Um, this might be a stretch, Lee. Might be a stretch. But I also got the impression, I don't know if I necessarily agree with Bowles, but he, of course, knows a lot more about this subject than I do. I get the impression that Bowles feels that Devin White has taken great strides as a leader uh, on this team. I got that impression. I got that impression. And so you and I were a little bit worried about possible potential effect. Uh, if uh, Lamonte David leaves via free agency, what impact that could have on Devin White's development? I, I don't think Bowles shares that uh, har- harbors that concern. By the way, your description of Lamonte David, that was perfect, and that's why you're the Sage, a pros pro. Sage, we're going to match your tax return and double it <laughs> at Bill Curry Ford, BillCurryFord.com. That's what they're doing through the end of March. Match your tax return, double it. And that's what you get when you uh, can get up to $2,000 towards the purchase of a new vehicle or a pre-owned vehicle. All the details at BillCurryFord.com. And, of course, a nationwide lifetime warranty on new vehicles. GM Sean Sullivan all fired up to help everybody personally get that concierge uh, service. Uh, if you're buying a new vehicle, it's great. You can check that out online. BillCurryFord.com. Ira, i got to ask you this as it relates to... Todd Bowles, uh, he was very clear on your podcast that this defense is built for edge rushers uh, to get sacks. Uh, he was very clear about that. We've already rehashed. We know that Joe Tryon-Trianca hasn't done it, and Bowles already said he wants to bring back Anthony Nelson, and maybe they can afford him, maybe they can't. I don't know. It's hard to say. Carl Nassib a few years ago got $8 million a year from the Raiders. I don't know if the Bucks are going to shell out seven for Anthony Nelson, but they need edge rush help, and nobody was committal on Shaq Barrett being healthy. Jason Light just said he's on track, but that track means he doesn't have a date yet because they don't know enough. I'm not sure I believe that. But Sage, Jason Light also said, he, I didn't think he wanted to say it, but at some point yesterday in his many chats, he said that he's a trenches guy first. And I'm starting to think that they're going to go get an edge rusher first in this draft. There are too many running backs to go get one early, in my opinion, the way they might be thinking. I'm not against getting a running back early, but what do you think as far as them getting an edge rusher based on what you've heard the last couple of days? I think you're right on track, uh, Steve. Even if Shaq Barrett hadn't gotten hurt last year, I think I'd be saying the same thing. Fair. And now it's, you know, and now it's even uh, magnified because you don't even know about Shaq Barrett. Lee, what I thought was very interesting was I I had never heard Bowles speak and drill down in such detail on what Joe Tryon needs to work on. To paraphrase Bowles, he gets there, Lee, and he doesn't finish the job. He doesn't finish the job. He was very explicit about it, very specific. I'd never heard that kind of a breakdown about Tryon. I can't disagree. Uh, He does flash. But Lee, you know, can I have some impact plays from this guy? Four sacks, no forced fumbles. I, I'd like a couple of fumbles. Strip, you know, I, yeah. I'd like to, you know, I'm so used to 
we're so used to uh, Simeon Rice, uh, who was really great at it. Uh, JPP was good at it. Hey, Sage. Um, hey, Sage. Yeah. Think about this. That You made the great point. Think about it. Joe Tryon-Trienka has had two coaches on his position. They changed position coaches. He's had two. Larry Foote, who is a, a smart guy. Everybody loves the guy. Levante David said he made him a better player last year when he shifted to inside linebackers. And Todd Bowles implied that he's thinking about having Foote call the defensive calls uh, uh, yesterday. And so and they had a different coach last year. And now he's on his third coach. And so he's had two coaches, and he plays alongside a premier edge rusher, Shaq Barrett, who is certainly one of the better finishers in the National Football League. He's also been around Jason Pierre-Paul, who loves to mentor and, and is a guy who's been a great finisher through his career. So he's had mentors. And Anthony Nelson, who plays a lot less snaps, finishes better than Tryon Shayinka. So it's like I was thinking, hearing that from Bowles, thinking – What's it going to take? He needs a third coach to figure out how to wrap a guy up and rip him to the ground. It was, I thought it was very telling. I mean, I mentioned to Bowles uh, because uh, I wanted to really uh, reiterate my point that he doesn't make impact plays in terms of trying. Lee, that he played 75% of the defensive snaps. I mean, that's a high number, Lee. That's higher than Vita Vea. Yeah. 75% coming off the right edge. Lee, it's, it's early. I, I, you know, I, I don't want to proclaim this, Lee. I'm not ready to say it. But I, I think we have to brace ourselves, certainly a year from now, basically saying, you know, Tryon's not going to make it. I mean, in terms of like a second contract with the Bucks, We're not there yet. Pretty close. Uh, but certainly, Lee, after a third year, if he gets four sacks again, no forced fumbles, negligible factor. At that point, Lee, things are looking bleak for Joe Tryon. He has worse numbers than Gaines Adams after two years. That really opened up my eyes. If he doesn't improve in his third year, they're going to start using the B word on him with justification. Yeah. If, if Tryon doesn't improve, uh, you know, he's going to lose his starting job, Steve. Hey, Sage, uh, you tell me if you think that I'm reading too much between the lines here. We know the Bucks need to cut a bunch of salary. Leonard Fournette's gone. We want your take on that coming up here in a little bit. But, you know, these these bodies have to come from somewhere. I mean, you can't just pretend they're not going to cut a good player because they got to get $50 million off the books, and the, the salary cap accounting is a little bit tricky. Bowles was on Sirius XM NFL Radio, and he talked about core players, and they also asked him about the offensive line. One guy he did not mention was Shaq Mason. The way he put it out there and the way he talked about Robert Hainsey I sort of got the feeling that, you know what, Shaq Mason is somebody who might be on the chopping block. And if the Bucks were to get rid of Shaq Mason, that would uh, save them about $5 million off the cap. And maybe they look to trade him. Either way, it would save them $5 million. But I'm starting to add up who's got to go, and somebody pretty good's got to go. And I'm starting to think maybe they're looking at Hainsey to compete at, at right guard. Possible, Steve. Uh, you know, now I'm assuming that Donovan Smith is going overboard. Uh, sure. So there will be some substantial savings there. I think Hazy's going to start somewhere next year. Uh, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. It's not going to be at center because uh, he's not going to beat out Jensen at center. And quite frankly, Hazy didn't show all that much at center. Like, he just didn't. Just, um, just for the. Remi reminds me of Mark Pet's season at center. Yeah, it was okay. 
Ira, Ira, just for the sake of the numbers, if they do cut Smith, it saves them about $10 million. So you already reported that he's out of here. It's understandable. So let's just say they do dump Smith. Now they got $40 million. Where is that going to come from? Maybe Mason is a guy who's not in their, quote, long-term plan. I don't know. Jason Light loves to draft offensive linemen, and I'm, I'm not quite sure. What do you think, Lee? Well, uh, it's interesting you mentioned Shaq Mason, Steve, because a week or so ago, Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network, was going through a list of possible cap casualties. And with the Bucks, she had playoff Lenny. He's already gone. And Shaq Mason. And she said, you know, she was using some convoluted stats that I, I put no stock in. However, she said as a pass blocker, he's very good still. As a run blocker, very mediocre, which to me means you could pull someone off the street or a fifth-round pick or whatever and probably get just as much production, maybe better. So uh, it, it seems like the, the uh, stars are aligned to move on from Shaq Mason. Doesn't look like right guard's got much job security on this, on this team. We, uh, we know Kappa left the free agency. Steve, I'll tell you a guy who's hurting this team big time, I think. For his lack of development, lack of development, and Lee, you know, and I have talked many years about prior coaching staffs to have done a terrible job of developing young talent. Not this coaching staff necessarily. However, however, and I don't know whether you can blame the coaching staff or you blame the player. He's just not that good. He's a guy we don't talk about, but if this guy had established himself by now at safety, uh, a solid starter. I, I think some of their problems would be gone and some of their decisions would be a lot easier. And I'm talking about Mike Edwards. Mike Edwards, he hasn't gotten the job done. Like, he's a major disappointment. Now, look, he, he wasn't a first-round draft pick, I understand. But he finally got his opportunity. Lee he did nothing with it. Nothing. Mm. And now they can't count on Mike Edwards going forward. They don't know what the heck to do about Neil and Logan Ryan in that regard. And if... You know, if you had Winfield and, and a solid Mike Edwards, uh, you, you wouldn't worry so much about uh, get, getting rid of some of these veteran safeties. Well, with, here's the thing about Mike Edwards. Number one, I don't think anybody expected him to be a Pro Bowl player. And he started out slow. I'll give you that. But in the Super Bowl year and in 2021, he was a ball hawk. He was absolutely a ball hawk. And though he didn't have a great year last year, he did have the only Bucks defensive touchdown. And, you know, you hear from these coaches all the time, turnovers, 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 turnovers. He's going to be cheap. There's no question about that because your points are fair, Ira. That I doubt there's going to be any kind of big market for Mike Edwards. But the way these guys covet turnovers so much, he does have a history of getting turnovers. And he was the only one last year to have a defensive, defensive touchdown. Maybe he's worth keeping at the right price. Because of those turnovers, which defensive coaches seem to do lust over. Sage, I know you mentioned it, and I'm not trying to smack you around. If you were here, I'd smack you around, but you're not. <laughs> but I mean, the guy's a late third round pick. He was part of a Super Bowl secondary, has made a lot of contributions. He's not a great player. He's okay. He's a backup safety who is a, a strong backup safety. And he doesn't play special teams very well. Like, you, you don't remember Mike Edwards making plays on special teams. Oh, the, against the Colts? Remember that? He saved that touchdown on a kickoff? Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying in general, in general, at least talking about that play back in uh, 2021, 
touchdown-saving tackle. He's not a great special teams player. The Bucks don't really have many of those. But, I mean, he'll get a job, but I don't know. I can't call him a disappointment. I, I just can't do it. What did you two guys take out of uh, Light and Bowles in terms of uh, switching Wirfs uh, to left tackle, uh, assuming uh, Donovan Smith's gone? Uh, Lee, did you think that uh, basically you walked away saying uh, that's probably not going to happen? Hey, uh, Sage, I'll just throw my two cents there quick. Is uh, The biggest takeaway was if it happens, it will happen quickly and they'll make an announcement and then they'll basically tell Tristan Wirfs to spend all his time studying uh, the switch to left tackle but I don't think it'll be a late call and uh, you know Lee asked those questions yeah I um I, I sort of agree with Steve you know Bowles said well you know if they're going to do it they want Wirfs to have a full off season to get ready for that well now would be the time so like Steve said if they're going to do it that means it's going to happen quick it means Donovan Smith you know, in the next few days, goes bye-bye. Light didn't shoot it down, but he did say he didn't know. I kind of got the impression from Light that if all things were equal, he would leave him at right tackle if it was up to Light. Uh, but I, I just got the impression from Light that he wasn't enthusiastic about it, but he thinks that Wirfs might be able to handle it. If it does happen and Wirfs moves to left tackle, I- I'm thinking Hainsey would be a, a very strong candidate for right tackle. Other people think they'll draft somebody uh, at right tackle. Certainly they're not taking a 19th pick in the draft at, for a right tackle. That That's not happening, uh, <laughs> I don't I don't think. Left Lee, tackle, maybe. Wouldn't, wouldn't Hainsey be the natural guy? Lee? I'm thinking Gedeke. Well, Sage, uh, uh, Light was very firm about Gedeke at left guard uh, yesterday, and Bowles made comments that he'd like to see the Bucks get bigger. At, at left guard, he thought they were a little small. Now, yeah, you know, obviously, I think he was referring to uh, Nick Leverett when he made that comment. Just you know, Leverett's kind of an overachiever guy, but he's not moving piles. Gedeke's a big guy, and of course, now he's going to make that leap to the second year. But he's six five plus three hundred and fifteen pounds, and he's a rock, and he's known as being a strong man. He just his pass blocking was miserable. So I, I'm just getting the feeling that he's going to be the left guard. I don't know what the hell's going to happen at left tackle. And like I said before, I think Shaq Mason might be out because I don't know. I don't think they're going to cut Russell Gage. I, I really don't think Jason Light's going to turn to the Glazers and say, uh, I'm dumping my big name free agent from the previous year. I, I don't see that happening. Okay. But Hainsey, who knows? I, I just, who knows? I guess I'm reading, maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into the fact Hainsey was a right tackle at Notre Dame all those years. But no, I don't disagree with you. I, I will say that Hainsey got so much experience. I think they want him on the field to take advantage of that experience and as a developing guy. I don't think they want to put him on the bench, Lee. I don't think they want to bench Hainsey. I don't get that impression either. Uh, who knows, Ira, but that's what's going to make this exciting. And uh, Canales really has to, uh, Dave Canales, the new coordinator, really has to know uh, know what the heck he's doing. Sage, we're going to let you take a drink, and I'm going to allow <laughs> the uh, hopefully a Big Storm beer, ice cold. I hear you feeling better. I think the fans are excited to hear the juice back in the Sage's voice. You sound full juice. Feisty. But uh, John Lynch stopped in to visit us uh, the other day here at the Combine. And uh, I basically just simply asked him, Rondé Barber, you know, talk about what it meant to you to put him in the Hall of Fame. And Simeon Rice, uh, what's the case? A lot of fans, you know, believe that he's a Hall of Famer. So everybody can hear that. Here's John Lynch. Well, I just can tell you I was elated like every other Buck fan. You know, aside from being one of the great teammates I ever had the uh, pleasure of playing with, Rondé is one of my best friends in the world. So we've kind of gone through this process together. 
a lot of a lot of waiting and uh, that's difficult especially when you when you feel like you belong and i've i've felt ronde has belonged uh for uh, the longest time uh, he asserted himself as one of the great players in our in our franchise's history i think it's so earned so deserved and was able to go down there to arizona and celebrate with him for a little bit and i look forward to doing so in canton it's going to be fun do you feel like when you're out here scouting here at the combine that you're looking for the next ronde absolutely <laughs> i'm looking for the next ronde barber the next Derek brooks the next warren sap all of those guys and so um yeah i couldn't be more proud of him and and more pleased for him last one i know you have to go appreciate you taking the time for ira here simeon rice a lot of bucks fans are like hey simeon's got to be next what, what are your thoughts on him just look at his number simeon uh was a fantastic player a great addition to our world championship team kind of helped take, take us over the hump just look at his sack numbers and they're representative of a hall of fame career so i hope it, it hope it works out i do believe that simeon belongs and i hope it works out for him all right thanks so okay, much Okay, thanks a lot Hey, Sage, uh, we'll talk more about that next time. But a uh, hey, bottom line is what Lynch said there about Simeon Rice was look at the numbers, the numbers and the sack totals. Look at the numbers. The numbers say he's a Hall of Famer. What do you say about that? I'm on the fence, quite frankly, uh, because you look at the numbers and, and, and there's other guys besides Simeon Rice that have been bypassed. Uh, there's a guy named Leslie O'Neill. Nobody remembers the guy. He played for the Chargers with Junior Seau. I think they had some decent teams. Uh, maybe Tomlinson was on that team. He's got 10 more sacks than Rice. He can't even get discussed, just like Simeon. Can't get discussed. Uh, last year, Dwight Freeney broke in as a finalist. He, he didn't make it. Jared Allen, Lee, heck of a player with the Chiefs, with the Vikings. Mm -hmm. More sacks than Simeon. Can't crack, uh, you know, the glass ceiling over there in Canton. Next year, Julius Peppers is coming in. Uh, in my mind, Peppers is the first ballot Hall of Famer. Wow. Uh, unless I hear otherwise. Uh, you know, his numbers are fantastic. 100%. It's not going to be that easy for Simeon Rice. And here's the way you judge it, Lee. Here's the way you judge it. The semifinalists, which is a group of 25, not just 15. It's a bigger group. Simeon's only made it once. And mm -hmm. he's been eligible quite a few years. I think his last year was 07, maybe. And so he's been eligible for a decade. And he can't even get on the list of semifinalists, never mind finalists. It's not going to be easy as the years go by. You know, the cast gets a little younger uh, on the voting panel. People didn't see Simeon Rice in the late 90s, early 2000s. Who's Simeon Rice? Oh, I never heard of him. Well, he's got 122 sacks. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Lee, I think he's number 20 on the sack list. Five years from now, he's going to be number 27 uh, on the sack list. Not going to be easy. I, I think there might have to be a campaign done to educate some of these younger voters on uh, just what a force Simeon Rice was coming off that right edge. Ira, is there, uh, with your fellow selectors, is there a beginning of a Bucks fatigue, you think? Uh, I hope not, Lee, but I understand your question. There was some pushback uh, after Brooks became the second defensive player uh, off that fantastic unit. Like, uh, are we going to put a third one in, and now there's a fourth one in, and now you're talking about number five. That's exalted company, Lee, mm -hmm. exalted. That, that's steel curtain territory. They won four Super Bowls. Mm -hmm. That's exactly why I brought that up is because I, I don't know if he's eligible anymore, 
But L.C. Greenwood, you could make yes. a really easy argument. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. But, my gosh, how many guys they have in the Hall of Fame off that defense? And I've, I've read stories about this where there's just Steelers fatigue. Like, my gosh, why don't we just put the whole team in? Uh, but, and I think L.C. Uh, Greenwood was a victim of that. That's a great point, Lee. L.C. Uh, Greenwood, I believe it was against the Vikings, Lee, uh, in, in 74 or 75, maybe 74 Super Bowl. I think he sacked Tarkenton three times. He had a monster game. He might have been the best player on the field. Wow. You know, those first two Steelers Super Bowls, Lee, the first two, that was a defensive team. Yeah, uh, he's in the senior pool now, and we, we don't know if he's ever getting it. Wow. Uh, I will argue with you that the first Steelers Super Bowl was the running team. Think of all the highlights you see from that second Steelers Super Bowl. It wasn't runs. It's all passes, you see. Yeah, that was the, that was the Lynn Swan game. You're right, Lee. The Lynn Swan game. Sage, uh, Leonard Fournette. Getting released, uh, there was a report that Fournette asked to be released. And frankly, I don't believe that. I think that was Leonard Fournette kind of spinning uh, to get his message out there that, oh, I asked to leave. I want to go play for a winner. I don't buy that he asked after the season. I mean, nobody knew if the Bucks were going to bring in a Derek Carr or what they would do. Or It just stinks of, of being phony a little bit because he just signed a three-year deal. He led the team in rushing. He caught 73 passes. They like him. It was just a little bit strange, Ira. What's your thought about that? Uh, my take's the same as yours. It's a spin, Lee, not surprising spin when you get released. You know, you look at Leonard Fournette, you think the guy's 32, Lee, but he's not. <laughs> he, he's not. It's like he's been around forever. He's got a lot of wear and tear. I mean, they used him a lot in Jacksonville, no question about it. He, he didn't have a very good season. Lee, uh, you could say the holes weren't there. Uh, his average, 3.5, not very good. He caught the ball well. He had a couple of good games. The first, Lee, week one, the guy was tremendous. Mm-hmm. Tremendous against Dallas. Might have been the best player on the field. Then he disappeared. Made a couple of big plays down the stretch, maybe in the Carolina game. Lee, he might have caught a swing pass that helped him. I, I can't remember the game, but uh, there was a comeback game. Maybe it was the Rams game, but uh, caught a big pass and made made the first guy miss and got about 20 yards out of it. That was a big play. I'm not surprised he's been released, but Lee, in the wake of it, Lee, in the wake of it, they are thin. Let's be honest. They are thin in the backfield. Certainly Giovanni Bernard is not part of uh, the group uh, going forward. Oh, no. Uh, we don't know about Vaughn. Some people like Vaughn. Jason Light. I think I think Lee, I, I think Bowles was a little perplexed at times last year why Vaughn wasn't given more of a chance. Well I, my, I, I do. I, I think it bothered Bowles. I think it certainly bothered Light, who drafted Vaughn. Not that White was doing terrible, but uh Lee, look at Rashad White's rushing average. I mean that ain't nothing to write home about. No. He either showed some flashes, had a big game, what was it, Seattle in Munich? Yes. Lee? That's his only um, big game. Yeah, that, that's his only big game. That's it, Lee. Now, I know that Texas running back, some people think the kid's the fifth best player in the draft. I don't see the Bucks taking him at 19th, Lee. I no. just don't. Somebody's going to take him uh, in, in the top 20, and, and they're going to get a good one. But uh, I'm, I'm with Steve. I, I still think Edge Rusher is the priority other than finding a quarterback. But they're going to have to uh, add a couple of running backs. No I, question. I, I want to ask you about Vaughn here, uh, Ira. I'm going to give... Real quick, my two cents about playoff Lenny. Playoff Lenny, to his credit, he was fifth in the NFL in yards after catch. That's everyone. That's not just running backs. That's everyone. That's wide receivers as well. That's damn good. 
However, here's the however. He was running back 1A on the worst rushing team in the league. See, you can't be surprised if a team moves on from you that you're the leading rusher on the worst rushing team in the league. Now, real quick about Vaughn, what your reaction, Ira, to Jason Light saying yesterday when someone asked him about Vaughn, he said, I don't think he's been given a fair opportunity. Goes right to the heart of what I'm saying, Lee. I think there was frustration, and I don't really understand uh, Leftwich's point of view uh, on this one. And not giving Vaughn a chance on a very struggling rushing attack, Lee. Yes. Uh, and I, yeah, you know, like you said, I don't care whether it was Fournette or White or what. wasn't like they were ripping up the field. They no. were not. No. Especially after week one. Steve, I believe, and you know, I was writing, uh, doing some research for a column last week. I think, Steve, I think they topped 100 yards rushing three times mm. in 17 games. I mean, that's awful. That's freaking awful. And the first game was spectacular. Uh, in keeping Dallas's defense off balance, and then it all fell apart. Absolutely fell apart. And meanwhile, Vaughn doesn't get any touches. I think there was a lot of frustration behind Leftwich's back uh, uh, about his use or lack of use of, of Keyshawn Vaughn. Look, Steve, I'm, I'm not saying uh, you know. Well, I'll say the guy, the guy's going to lead the league in rushing, but I, I want to see him a little more. Sage, I can't say I, I would say a lot of frustration. I mean, they did go out and draft Rashad White. You know, somebody wasn't that confident in Vaughn after he led the team in rushing down the stretch last year and had some big games. I think there were three games in a row. Sorry, in 2021, there were three games in a row that he led the team in rushing. But I get it. I always thought he should have gotten more touches last year. And, you know, nobody ever really implied anything bad about him. They'd give him one run and and then Todd Bowles would say, well, we didn't get him more touches. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate it. Huh. Yeah, I get it, and he's going to be inexpensive, but uh, I expect to see young running backs in here, two or three, and especially look at you know look at the Chiefs with Pacheco last year, seventh round pick out of Rutgers. The guy's running people over, and you know you can always find that late guy if if you get lucky and are willing to commit to it. But I I agree that Jason Light was being honest when he said uh, that he didn't feel Vaughn got a fair shot. Every time I hear Pacheco's name. If I'm watching a Chiefs game, I can't help it. The very first thing I think of is Ferdy. <laughs> I don't blame you, Lee. Ferdy Pacheco, uh, the doctor for Muhammad Ali. The fight doctor. Uh, you, you know what that reminds me of? Uh, I can't remember the year. Angelo Dundee. Yes, I am digressing, Steve, for a minute. Uh, <laughs> the great trainer. For classic a minute. trainer of Ali. I think you also trained Sugar Ray Leonard because I was at the uh, Leonard Hackler fight in Vegas Wow! in, 80, in 87. It's the one big fight I did. It was a big upset. Leonard hadn't fought in four years, and he beat Hagler. And, and, and there, was, uh, there was Dundee in, in Leonard's corner. Anyway, he ended up living at um, Eastlake Woodlands. Yes. Lee. And then one day he came out to Buck training camp. He did. He came out to Buck training camp. And he was holding court with a bunch of, uh, you know, the reporters. And uh, it was absolutely fascinating to hear the stories. You know, him and Pacheco, that, that was a heck of a team that uh, that uh, Ali had had behind him. All right, Sage, we're out of here and uh, we will be back uh, next week. I know that you are just kicking off your deep study of prospects from the uh, for the draft. March 1st is always your day to dive into the draft and uh, you'll be watching the Combine this weekend uh, with a focus on those edge rushers 
and we'll talk more about uh, what we find here and have found here at the Combine. Now, there's still more to talk about. You know, we're just not going to sit here and talk uh, endlessly, but plenty more to share for next week. So, Sage, uh, we're out of here. Feel good.